Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The legends are true. We're overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to a good football show. I am Patrick Darty. Today I'll be joined by Denny Carter, where we are going to be talking some players, perhaps bound for some positive touchdown regression in 2021. And yes, haters, positive touchdown regression is the phrase we're going to use. It's a real thing that has meaning. Um, but first, instead of asking Denny for his bracket picks or his Cy Young picks. We are actually going to get things started with some general NFL talk. Denny, the schedule is going to 17 games in 2021. Beyond it being an odious, odd number, Mm -hmm. why is this the worst thing that has ever happened in the history of sports? I tried, you know, my best on Sunday to get really worked up about this uh, because I, I saw that there were some very strong takes mostly on the negative side about this change and, uh, you know, adding another game to the regular season. Of course, players hate it. Um, You know, some of the reaction was, oh, hey, we get another week of fantasy. But then another thought was, you know, this is going to mess up, uh, you know, like statistical uh, comparisons to, to, to previous eras, even, you know, anybody who played in the 16 game era, basically, and so I, I get it. I, I get that there are very strong opinions. I don't personally have a super strong take. My my only concern is that we're going to get to a point in later in the season with this extra game where smart coaches, I would guess, sharp coaches, are going to rest some of their key players um, kind of strategically. Not not quite the same way we see in like you know MLB or NBA. But it will be, I think, an issue that fantasy managers will have to contend with. First off, I'll say not having a strong take qualifies as a hot take by your standards because we're used to the takes. And (laughs) I'll say someone who uh, doesn't like cheese, doesn't like donuts, uh, Mm -hmm. not disliking something that is objectively good and more football is kind of an upset. Uh, I'm very mixed on this. First, I was telling you off camera, this will make our personal lives more complicated because now the season goes deeper into the Christmas holiday for those of us who celebrate. And the first thing that did pop into my head is the health, uh, which, you know, the players are incensed about. And I think rightfully so. I mean, I guess they're not that incensed because they kind of easily approved it. But ESPN's Mike Clay tweeted an insane stat last week that only 14 running backs appeared in all 16 games each of the past two seasons and none of them were starters 
Uh, only 20 wide receivers appeared in all 16 mm. games over the past two seasons. Uh, so, you know, this is a tough sport. And, like, the you, you got people who already can almost never make it a full season. Adding that 17th game into there does create huge health question mark. And like you said, I think will I think we will see increased rest. Uh, one of the rules, like, bandied about about – they didn't adopt this rule, but one of the proposals, I should say, that was bandied about with the 17th game season was there was an idea that – it would be a 17-game season, but players could only make 16 appearances. So you would have to like strategically decide when to rest a player. And they didn't do that. But like I said, it was like at least on the on their minds. And I think there will be coaches. Yeah, you know, we the NFL is not a culture of ever trying to find a spot to like rest so and so. But maybe with the 17th game, it'll be just enough to kind of push things more in that direction. And the biggest concern to me is the health. Uh, mm-hmm. The records thing. I mean, it is dumb. Like, why you spend half a century uh, playing with like the same number, you know, creating a record, but which isn't as big of a deal as it is in baseball. Because we know me and my dinosaur baseball friends, we're the ones that actually care about records and stuff. It's not as big of a deal in the NFL. But it is like, is this really worth it? And again, like I said, it's an odd number, which is just the worst thing in the world. Right. right. Yes. No more eight and eight uh, teams that you know, either look terrible in hindsight or, or look halfway decent, depending on how a team started that season. Anyway, I agree that the, the odd, the odd number kind of sucks. Uh, but I'm, I'm all for complicating fantasy football more than it needs to be. And I think that that this is going to give us that opportunity. So what do we do? Are we just making the regular season one week longer? Are we doing like two week championships? Are we still going to end in week 16? I, it's going to be very tough. this I think we will see some leagues still ending in week 16 and not just ignoring week 17, but ignoring the new week 18 out of, like you said, like the fear of the rest. Yeah. I, uh, I, I'm not for that. As of right now, unless someone can talk me out of this, I think championship uh, fantasy championships need to be moved to week 17, like immediately. But the two week championship thing, I think, is always a nice way to, you know, kind of address variance. As we know, dominant teams go into the playoffs and, you know, one, one down week or one week facing a, a team that just goes out of its mind. Um, you know, that, that's, that's never, that's never fun. You know, that's never fun for, uh, for, for the, for the person who, who went into the postseason as, as a, as a dominant uh, team. But anyway, yeah, I think, I think two week championships end in week 17. That's my take. That's a good take. This is going to be a subject that's going to demand a lot more talk over the offseason. This kind of the industry just figures this stuff out together. But Denny, last week you released part two in your article series on touchdown over and underperformance. Uh, a few weeks ago, we talked teams that overperformed in 2020. This We're not necessarily talking teams that underperformed today, but just the teams that are more towards the middle of the pack, mm-hmm. right? Teams that didn't so much super overperform or underperform just like kind of hewed closely to what the model suggested they would do. Am I explaining this correctly, by the way? Uh, you are. No, idea. no, you are. And, and it's, it's not as, as you know, after we talked about how do we succinctly say this, there's really no way to succinctly say that we're looking at uh, according to a team's offensive yardage, how many touchdowns were they expected to score last year? Now on average, uh, an NFL team scored a touchdown every 136 yards in 2020, which is really low. Okay. Like historically low. 
And that could be the new norm with, with changes we've seen in the game, changes we've seen in officiating and uh, um, a strategy, offensive strategy. Uh, anyway, uh, you have outliers like the Packers who scored every well, scored a touchdown every 94 yards, which is just obscene. Uh, and then you have outliers like the Jets and Giants who almost never scored touchdowns. So uh, they scored and that, touchdowns. Last they, year? they did. They did. I, I was I surprised actually, they even showed up in the model and just didn't say no. I actually had to go back and, and watch the film to <laughs> to, to <laughs> track the touchdowns because it didn't show up on any uh, stat site. So um, so yeah. So examining expected touchdowns versus actual touch uh, actual touchdowns is actionable. And that's what we're looking for here. If only because it offers a hint as to which players outperformed in the touchdown scoring department last year and which players did not, Uh, you know, knowing this can serve as sometimes a a tiebreaker between, you know, two guys with similar ADPs in the summer and, you know, you're kind of agonizing over who to take. And if you see that a guy vastly outperformed his expected touchdowns, um, you know, then you should take that into account or vice versa. If a guy, you know, uh, vastly underperformed his touchdown. So from a, from a team level, we're not super interested, but from a player level, that's where fantasy managers can, uh, you know, kind of use that to further evaluate, you know, who they're going to target this year. So you said something in there that's really good advice to the young analysts, by the way, is get a visual on the actual touchdowns. Don't just trust what you read on the page on pro football <laughs> reference or whatever. <laughs> you go and get a visual on it and confirm that it's real. You could see it. News media. So by the way, you know, it's a great uh, podcast topic when we cannot succinctly explain it. But uh, the first team we're going to talk about <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury's beloved Arizona Cardinals, mm-hmm. uh, beloved Cliff Kingsbury. I've just lauded for his game management and scripting. Yeah. Uh, they actually scored 3.8 more touchdowns than expected in 2021. Uh, to, to quarterback rushing is something kind of like frequently breaks models, which I guess would maybe be my initial thought there, but yeah. It, what should we expect from the Cardinals in 2021? Yeah. Who might benefit? So it turns out Pat, that uh, teams that are good in the red zone usually <laughs> end up over their expected touchdown numbers. Uh, and that's what we have here. The, the Cardinals had the uh, ninth highest red zone touchdown rate last year. Uh, and that mainly benefited Kyler Murray and Kenyon Drake. I wrote about, you know, Drake's red zone usage uh, in this piece and, it really is eye-opening for how valuable uh, a Kyler Murray running back can be. So uh, Drake scored uh, 10 rushing touchdowns last year. Only Dalvin Cook saw more carries inside the five-yard line than Drake. Oh and, no, and, and no one had more inside the 10 uh, attempts than Drake. So, you know, whoever gets that role, Chase Edmonds or otherwise, just becomes a, a potential uh, touchdown dominator uh in in the coming season and so i i will be paying very close attention as will the entire fantasy football universe as to who uh gets that gig so they were very good in the red zone and that that explains being slightly over but really when you're talking about being three touchdowns over expectation it's really nothing to worry about um or, or even you know take take note too much when you're talking about like green bay outperformed their touchdown scoring by 20 something you know <laughs> So you made an interesting point about running quarterbacks. And so it's a similar dynamic with the Ravens, right? Your initial thought might be, well, this quarterback runs so much, especially in the red zone, that it's bad for the running backs. But 
that tends to not happen. Like Mark Ingram what, had like 10 or 11 okay. touchdowns in 2019. And even when the quarterback runs a lot in the red zone, it seems like it just makes them better overall in the red zone. Like as we sort of just discussed with the Cardinals and like a running quarterback isn't necessarily something to be feared when it comes to like goal line production for running, except for maybe it was the Patriots last year where Cam Newton scored 29 rushing touchdowns. Well, you know, the, the Zoomers, the Zoomers won't remember uh, Alfred Morris. Exactly. Uh, you know, exactly. just dominating in the, in the red zone with RG three under center. So we probably should actually run the numbers on that, but it seems to be a thing where like, you don't have to fear just because Kyler Murray's going to score a lot of rushing touchdowns that his running back won't score a lot of rushing touchdowns. Cause Kenyon Drake, I've heard some triggering things already this off season, but Kenyon Drake, Kenyon Drake really led and in carries inside the ten yard line. Is yeah. that a joke? No, he tied tied for the lead with with Cook. I think. Denny, we know you're a funny guy, but I mean, no joke. <laughs> I don't. I look. I never joke about numbers. You know that. That's true. The numbers are sacrosanct <laughs> to you. So, uh, after the Arizona Cardinals, gonna move on to the Dallas Cowboys, yeah. America's team who shockingly underperformed just a little bit, uh, 1.7 touchdowns less than expected last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Denny, I'm, I'm assuming we can expect uh, maybe this team to be more of an overperformer in 2021 as they get pseudo dual threat Dak Prescott back and just in general stay healthier on offense. Right. So I went ahead and did some, some manual work and uh, which is, which is awful by the way. Um, and I thought I, I looked at just the games that, Dak Prescott played so four four full games. I didn't count that fifth game where he uh, injured his ankle. Uh, although saying injured his ankle sounds uh, going to make the same joke. Like, yeah, it just sounds it was just injured is a bit yeah uh, ruined his ankle. I mean, hopefully not. But anyway, the the Cowboys scored sixteen touchdowns during that four game run to start the year. Um, and when you take into account the yardage they gained, they were actually only one point one touchdowns above expectation. And that that's good news, I think, you know, for fantasy purposes, for those who are ready and willing to uh, invest, you know, relatively high draft picks on Prescott and Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott and others in that Dallas offense. Uh, you know, they they didn't blow the doors off as far as touchdown scoring goes in in that early season. Yes, they gained a ton of yardage. And, and, and that was, you know, uh, partly the result of having. Uh, just a, a putrid defense, just one of the worst defenses we've ever seen uh, and having to constantly uh, push the ball down the field and, and, and continue to be aggressive on offense. So um, uh, long story short, it, there's nothing to fear here as far as touchdown uh, over performance. It was it was right on on par with what you would have expected. Well, that's good to know, because, yeah, I mean, if that had continued all 16 games, there- I'm sure the Cowboys, you look at them on paper, and that would be an easy idea. Like, well, there's no way they're going to average that many yards again with Dak Prescott and, like, maybe an easy fade. Uh, If you just look at the raw numbers, I mean, there's a lot of room to grow here. Ezekiel Elliott only scored eight touchdowns last year. Uh, I had a question for – so Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Gallup all scored exactly five touchdowns last year. Mm. Do do we have anything – that makes us think like one of them like kind of emerge ahead of the pack in the red zone is like maybe the preferred red zone threat and the receiver. I feel like it probably has to be Amari Cooper is just the most overall technically dominant of the three CD operates more out of the slot. Michael Gallup Mm -hmm. is more of the big play guy, but 
I feel like, or do you have any reason off the top of your head to maybe expect touchdown separation amongst the big three Cowboys receivers? Yeah, I mean, I, I it, it would be Cooper that jumps out. Although I will admit that I did not, I have not, you know, taken a, a statistical deep dive into the red zone opportunity, route running, um, targets in in the either in the red zone or in the end zone. Um, I would guess that w- that would be Cooper, though, just the way the the team uses him. Uh, yeah, no, like you said, I mean, n- none of them really uh, blew away their, uh, you know, touchdown rates uh, last year. It 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 was uh, uh, difficult, you know, it was h- hard to come by a game where, you know, one or more of the Cowboys wide receivers went off after the Prescott injury, and that was to be expected, I, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, I think I think Cooper would be my choice there. Yeah, Cooper doesn't have like the frame that suggests like huge red zone target, but this like his technical dominance. I kind of feel like it'll be Amari. Next up is the Rams. Uh, 1.1 fewer touchdowns than expected last season. First off, Denny, tell me Cam Akers will score more than two touchdowns this season, right? I mean, that seems like maybe a safe bet. Uh, probably two touchdowns in the first half of week one. That's what I was going to say. I was, right. I, I had that it teed up. <laughs> we're, we're fellow. We're too much of fellow. Tra- the chemistry is too good. Uh, <laughs> when the chemistry is too good, folks, that's a meme that I just made. That's how you meme. <laughs> um, yeah. Tell, what, what, tell us what to think about. Yeah. We just want to know what to think. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to, you know, like project much from last year into this year because Jared Goff is gone and he's being replaced by what I believe is a vast upgrade at, at quarterback. It doesn't seem to be the consensus for some reason, which I just, I still can't really figure out, but I really do think that, you know, th- this, this team and, and all of its skill position players are in line uh, to have a, t- have a, a potential touchdown boost. So Cooper cup comes to mind. Uh, Cooper Cup caught a touchdown on only 2.4% of his targets last year. Uh, that's down from his career rate of 5.9%. So a huge drop in, in, in touchdown scoring for Cooper Cup last year. Uh, that coincided with uh, a pretty big dip in uh, yards per target in 2022, a career low, actually. Uh, I would guess with the stronger armed, more aggressive Matt Stafford under center for LA that uh, Cooper cups chances of seeing that yards per target uh, increase. I mean, not, you know, go off the charts, but increase. And also his, his uh, touchdown scoring to kind of regress back to where he has been in, in, in previous seasons, uh, I think makes him possibly, you know, an, an underrated uh, uh, fantasy asset going into the season. When you were talking, I was just kind of workshopping with like galaxy braining my Cooper Cup takes. Uh, the yards for target almost have to go up, right? And right. It's, it's weird. Cooper Cup was like kind of known as like a red zone guy his first few years in the league. But with Matthew Stafford, are they going to become more of like a long touchdown team? Not that that's like, but like where they won't be like necessarily so station to station like they were in Jared Goff. And just maybe there'll be uh, slightly fewer red zone targets overall. And uh, like a galaxy brain thing I had just now without Gerald Everett now, uh, like they'll be, they can be more focused. Like instead of like dividing their energies between Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby, mm-hmm. Tyler Higby kind of becomes, obviously he's become the go-to tight end, but maybe 
even though there was nothing stopping them from using Tyler Higby in the red zone before, just like the, the fact that there is only one tight end right. will create more of just like a, a mentality, not just even like the opportunities, just a mentality to target. This is too, I'm going to, if I knew how to edit a podcast, I'd probably take this take out. <laughs> but uh, like, uh, I just don't know. So Matthew Stafford, by the way, totally agree. Because yeah. the, the Rams, well, the reason they chased Jared Goff out of town is because he couldn't create instant offense down the field. Like the only way he could ever make a play down the field, he had to be perfectly sprung yeah. by play action. And they were just tired of that. Whereas Matthew Stafford uh, has always been explosive down the field. Uh, he's remained explosive down the field, even as he's gotten way more efficient. And so yeah, maybe uh, more long, every touchdown the Rams scored in is going to be longer than 20 yards. So Cooper mm, Cup, that's his rate's going to That's right. That's right. Well, we talked about Higby, right? Uh, uh, last week and with, with Gerald Everett going to Seattle, uh, you know, Higby is in line to absorb a lot of, uh, of those tight end targets. And, Matthew Stafford has has, has proven uh, that he doesn't hate throwing it to the tight end. So even if you're not high on Higby as like a long-term uh, fantasy player or uh, even as a, as a good tight end, the opportunity should be there uh, this year. So I, I would I would point to him and, and Cup as the main beneficiaries. Now, Robert Woods kind of getting lost in this conversation. Robert Woods was a little bit over his career touchdown rate last year. But not not too much, not like a silly amount. Um, so, but I, I do I do think he uh, his his touchdown scoring or potential touchdown scoring in that offense will be incorporated by everybody into his ADP. Yeah, maybe like his like touchdown rate will come down just a little bit. But I think this the offense being overall better, like the raw totals will be higher. So like he'll still hit his touchdown numbers. I think it was six. He could probably be safely counted on for like the seven. That's a good point. Touchdown yeah. range. But Matthew Stafford, I think it's just because we live in a country that does not tolerate sidearming. And Matthew Stafford, <laughs> you, it might, you might not like it, but that is what peak quarterback performance looks like is that's random right. sidearm passes. That's right. Yeah. Like, like men, what is stopping you from throwing the football? Like, like it's Matthew Stafford. Truly, what is stopping you from sidearming it for literally no reason? I love the sidearm. If we could I just, do. if we could just talk about the sidearm for a minute, I, I think, I think it's a, a, a pretty pass. I think it's very impressive that, that a guy can drop his arm down. Just uh, it's really an instinctive type throw, you know, to, to avoid a defender, or to or to get the ball just in the right spot where the defender can't get it, uh, that that sort of throw always impresses me. When when but when they do it, the announcers lose their minds. You know, uh, every time Lamar Jackson throws a beautiful sidearm pass while scrambling out of the pocket, they're like, "No, well, this is the reason he's inconsistent." As he he throws sidearm, he had to throw sidearm. He had to do it on that throw. He doesn't do it every time. You'll you'll notice announcers that he doesn't do it every time. So. I, see, I do love to joke about it, but Stafford is like shockingly accurate on it. And you know, there's a double standard when Pat Mahomes does it. Well, all of a sudden it's the greatest play in NFL history. Yeah. But when Matthew Stafford does it, it's, this is why the Detroit Lions have not won a playoff game since Dwight Eisenhower was president. Right, folks. He's uh, he's he's undisciplined. Yeah. You know, uh, he's his uh, playground ball. We, we he can't do that in the NFL. But yeah, yeah, Mahomes, Mahomes does it. Almost gets it picked off like three or four times a game. And no, we're not going to true the Mahomes sidearming. This is just the way they're, they're right. I'm saying but they, we need the joy we bring to Mahomes sidearming. We also need to bring to Stafford sidearming. Exactly.
Next up on the list is the the Los Angeles. I almost said San Diego Chargers. Um, they've been how long have they been in LA now? Five, six seasons. Eighteen years, I think. Uh, they no longer play in a soccer stadium, so that's good. For yeah, the Chargers. They have that going for them. Yeah, they do. So the Chargers uh, are the team on this list, or their actual touchdowns hewed most closely to their expected touchdowns. They played essentially exactly to their projections in twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, Denny. Are we, are we going to get more? Or are yeah. they going to overperform in 2021? This is good news for Justin Herbert and Justin Herbert truthers in fantasy football. Um, you know, he had a, a historic rookie season on many levels uh, while posting a 5.2% touchdown rate, which is really uh, nothing to write home about. Okay, as as my you know grandfather would say, is your Civil War great grandfather? <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to relate to the younger generation. Okay, uh, well, and, they don't know what writing is, but they they like yeah. if I showed Hayden Winks a pen, he'd be like, "What what is this?" Uh, <laughs> I know, I know. Well, I, I discovered the other day that I tried to write a note uh, to my kid, and I realized that I hadn't written anything on paper you know, since the first Obama administration started start to get political, but you know, and it, it was my, my handwriting was horrendous. You do one post it now your hand like seizes up like, Oh my God, I just wrote get milk. And now I have a hand. Cramp. That's right. Uh, so, all right. All right. Let's get chargers down, down yeah. to business here. Herbert uh-huh. San Diego chargers. Yes. Uh, 5.2% touchdown rate last year. That was 14th among all quarterbacks. That was way behind league leaders. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, you know, a a new coaching staff in LA kind of introduces, I guess, some questions about uh, Herbert, but really I I think we can assume that they know what they have in in, in Herbert after his incredibly impressive rookie year. Um, You know, his touchdown numbers don't raise any red flags, which is, it's good. You know, he's, he's a guy who I, I don't think is going to be overdrafted. Uh, in fantasy leagues this year, especially I think, and this kind of an aside, but uh, especially as as fantasy managers, you know, are desperately seeking uh, dual threat quarterbacks. You know, um, th- this this idea that you have you have to have a dual threat quarterback in order to have uh, a top fantasy quarterback. It, I, I don't think that's going to prove to be you know, hundred percent true this season. And I think Justin Herbert is the kind of guy, if he sees an uptick in, in, in touchdowns uh, who could prove that wrong. My one thought I, I kind of have in the chargers is just looking at the roster is it, they've got like decent weapons, but like when I think about the chargers offense, taking a step forward in 2020, which Justin Herbert seems to be like, I hate, hate the word. I am going to use it unironically seems to kind of be like a generational talent. So there it is. that in and of itself might be enough for the whole offense to take a step forward. But when I look at the offense, especially without Hunter Henry, it appears maybe just like one weapon short to me. Uh, to be, so Keenan Allen is amazing, but Mike Williams, I feel like is best suited to be a role player. Kind of like an, it's kind of hard to say, cause he, he can be an every down player, but he's still like, you know, like a strict downfield specialist, uh, explosive plays down the field, but, uh, like he's not like you know an all world overall receiver. No. And then like who is like the third weapon, right? I mean, I guess besides Austin Eckler, is it Jalen Guyton? Is it is it Parham? Is it Donald Parham? Which I'm sure is going to come up all off season. And I would basically like to see the Chargers add one more. Jalen Guyton, by the way, actually did a lot of really cool stuff last year. He coming. Mm-hmm. I will keep my eye on him, but I would like to see the Chargers get one more 
like at least like top three or four rounds receiver in the draft. I feel like they need one more receiver to be kind of like a truly feared or maybe on the verge of being special offense. Yeah, well, uh, some insider information. Yeah. A, you know, Adam Leviton from Establish the Run uh, has Donald Parham scoring 14 touchdowns this year. So what a surprise. Yeah, so Adam, I believe, uh, after Jerry, uh, the dog, uh, right? That's the dog's name. Yes, Jerry. Remember. Yeah, uh-huh. that's right. Uh, the closest thing into his life. I mean, supposedly he's closer to his kids and his wife, <laughs> but I believe he is most close mm-hmm. to Donald Parham. Um, so I wouldn't take that at face value. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, so the Chargers, uh, what, we're getting in it. We're scoring yeah. an inconclusive there. Well, uh, I think I think basically as as impressive as the Chargers were last year offensively from for most of the year at least. Uh, the the takeaway for me is that they didn't they didn't do anything in the touchdown department that makes you you know, kind of nervous about their ability to repeat it. You know, um, it it just, it seems, it seems repeatable. It seems doable once again. Um, You know, nothing scares you off. Even like Keenan Allen's touchdown rate was just a smidge over his, his career rate. Uh, You know, but for a guy who at one point, if you remember last year, Keenan Allen was seeing, you know, 40, a 40% target share somewhere in that range. Just, just absurd, you know, uh, and, and so for a guy who's going to just be force fed the ball once again this year, uh, that that slight uptick in, in touchdowns doesn't really bother me too much. I just while you were talking, I was workshopping a potentially disastrous Justin Herbert take in my head where he was like the rare rookie that almost essentially didn't struggle last year until yeah. finally kind of late in the season. And you know, I, I'm I'm sold on Justin Herbert. I, I am fully sold on Justin Herbert, but I wouldn't be shocked. Maybe like you're changing systems, new offensive coordinator, hopefully an upgraded offensive coordinator with Joe Lombardi, but or maybe we're not going to get struggles, but maybe we get more plateauing than expected from him mm-hmm. as a sophomore this year before he becomes like a true MVP level player in 2022. That's I think that, that that would be like the worst case scenario. Is yeah, a, that's is true. A plat- plateau, I think. And, and even that is not, the you know no that would be fast you know yeah that's true we're not going to see yeah uh, re- regression um from justin herbert the denver broncos denny what yeah. everyone has come to the <laughs> podcast for uh 4.5 fewer touchdowns than expected last yeah. year uh, i've been told from your notes that your notes being your article uh jerry judy yeah. could be we're, we're thinking big things for jerry judy and we're guaranteeing big things for jerry judy in 2021 mark it down you know uh yes it, it you know getting back to what we were talking about where teams that overperformed in touchdown scoring last year tended to be pretty good in the red zone well it turns out you know that there is correlation between <laughs> you know being bad in the red zone and not scoring uh your expected touchdown so denver only scored on 53%, scored a touchdown on 53% of their red zone possessions last year. That was 27th in the league, just above Carolina, just above Dallas. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, that's that's where it comes from. They actually, you know, put up decent yardage through parts of the season. But, you know, Drew Locke being your quarterback, you're gonna you're probably going to struggle to score touchdowns. And that's where Judy comes into play. Now, um, I was unaware until just just very recently that Judy was sixth in uh, total air yards uh, among all receivers last year. Sorry, my dog's making John noise. Daigle, by the way, refers, referred to them as prairie yards yes, for Jerry right. Judy because they had no chance of 
course, Denny's dog. What a sp- Denny's got a showboat dog coming I, in I, trying to interrupt the podcast. I do. I'm sorry. This is what happens when you become a dog person. It's true. They're always around you. They won't leave you alone. So yeah. So Judy was sixth in air yards. Uh, he had a, a higher air yards per target than guys like Will Fuller, DK Metcalf, Tyree Kill, and he had a 21 percent target share. Uh, while dealing, you know, with some of the worst quarterbacking in the league. And that truly, it, it, Drew Locke was a, a total disaster last year. I kind of, I think it kind of gets lost on the uh, Broncos season in, in total. Um, who knows? Yeah, it seems like the Broncos are not going to upgrade at quarterback. Am I, am I wrong here? No, it does. And like, they, they kind of just missed their window. And like, this is one of those drafts where teams are like aggressively moving up to get the quarterbacks. And yeah the Broncos aren't really in position to do that. I mean, I, I feel like there's no way they're going to go in the season. Well, who's the number two right now? Jeff Driscoll. Uh, okay. I feel like there's some way they'll add, maybe they'll trade for Sam Darnold. I like, do something, but I mean, they've essentially, they missed out in free agency. They're not, they don't have like the assets to move up. They can't get the highest they could get is number four in the draft and mm-hmm. quarterbacks are going to go one through three at this point. So they did like miss their window to get like the obvious upgrade to Drew Locke. So yeah. that is the big concern. Yeah, it's it seems like they are going to do with Drew Locke have the, like the Bears did with Trubisky and like clear the lane and just make sure that Trubisky doesn't have I mean I'm sorry that Locke doesn't have much cop, much real competition uh for this year, which is unfortunate. Uh it is. You know, uh, but you know getting back to Judy's touchdown scoring. So he scored a touchdown on only 3 of his 113 targets with all those air yards. Um, with a lot of uncatchable balls thrown to him by Locke. Uh, it all translated to 856 real yards, which is a depressingly low number for that sort of opportunity and that sort of player in, in, in Jerry Judy. Um, you know, Judy's touchdown underperformance um, is you know, something I don't know if it'll be you know, fully kind of baked into his average draft position this summer. Uh, I, if, if he had had like decent quarterbacking, not, not all world quarterbacking, but just okay quarterbacking last year, I think we'd be, you know, we'd see him go in the the fourth round of 12 team leagues right now. And and instead he's going in the eighth or ninth. I think it might just be kind of hard for him to rectify, by the way, because the the quarterbacking is before, but then Cortland Sutton, who's got to come back and be the power forward in the red zone, that it's going to be more tears for Jerry Mm. Judy. I'll let you overdraft jerry Judy. i don't know i like jerry Judy a lot. Actually. i mean but in, in the yeah in the eighth or ninth round i i feel like that's that's pretty good for a guy who profiles as the number one receiver on a team that will probably stink <laughs> and have to <laughs> throw a guy a who did that as a highly highly drafted rookie too who basically did um, what he needed to do uh you, it is usually a sign of better things are coming so we absolutely we approve of jerry judy do we approve of the final team, which we didn't know for sure if we were going to talk about? I'm going to throw it in there, Denny. Mm-hmm. Carolina Panthers, um, another team where we don't really know who the quarterback's going to be. I, I'm just going to immediately, instead of getting to the question, get to a quick aside, too, because I think the Panthers have kind of missed out on their obvious path to upgrading a quarterback because they seem to be all in on Deshaun Watson, right. which right. for reasons uh, uh, very under- very plain and understandable now is probably not going to happen. So, like that, their main avenue to upgrade in their quarterback has been shut off. And if they're not, well, they're, they're in the top 10, I think, I mean, they could maybe still get their quarterback in the top 10, but 
the Panthers seem to have all their eggs in one quarterback upgrade basket. That is no longer an option. And I don't know what they're going to do. Danny touchdowns, Panthers. What's going to, what's the deal? I don't know. Yes. Touchdowns and Panthers. That's what we're here to talk about. Uh, Yeah. So Robbie Anderson was like, was the, 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 the main, um, let's see, the, the guy most affected by, Carolina's touchdown to underperformance last year. It, it has something to do with the Panthers being one of the worst teams in the red zone uh, last season, scoring on only 50% of their red zone uh, possessions. But I, I wrote in the, in the piece, uh, which of course you can find on NBC sports edge uh, that um, he, let's see, Robbie Anderson posted a touchdown, a rate of 2.2%. That's exactly half of his career rate a big drop off in touchdowns. Now it did, you know, coincide with Robbie Anderson sort of, uh, was strangely being used as an intermediate option where, yeah. Whereas DJ Moore became the deeper downfield threat, get seeing the high value targets, uh, which is kind of a role reversal of sorts. You know, it, it all depends on who, who's at quarterback. If it's another year of Teddy Bridgewater, I don't think you can, you know, you can have much confidence in a, in a Robbie Anderson touchdown resurgence, honestly. But if it, if it's, if it's someone better, if it's someone more aggressive and, and a better downfield thrower with a bigger arm than Bridgewater, uh, I, I think that you can look at Robbie Anderson on the draft board this year and say, you know, people are taking him with the idea that he's going to have this abysmally low touchdown rate. And that's just not what we've seen in, in his previous seasons, you know, before 2020. It could stay. Also, they got Christian McCaffrey coming back, so it could be a tough scene uh, for Robbie. Uh, to, to, this is the whole Panthers project. This seems thrown off course to me because it seemed like their whole plan all along was to get Teddy Bridgewater to stabilize the offense and then immediately upgrade Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I just don't know how they're going to do that now. But yeah, Robbie he, Anderson. Yeah, I mean that is that was too low. I, even if Christian McCaffrey's back. Robbie Anderson's touchdown rate. I agree. It's going to spike. It, it probably will. I mean, but we can't underestimate how bad Teddy Bridgewater was in that offense last year. Um, just incredibly disappointing for, as for someone who wrote about Teddy Bridgewater being a sneaky late round pick, you know, um, I'm, I'm just, I, that was my first uh, NBC sports edge article. And I am, I'm very, I'm happy that I still work here. I was going to say, it's the first time we fired you. Actually. <laughs> uh, Immediately after publishing. still held up in HR. They said, I couldn't just fire you for being incorrect <laughs> about Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, so that's well. why you're still here. Thank goodness. Well, that's, that's all for today's show, Denny. Uh, I should have asked you this before the show. Uh, if you had anything, so you have this article to promote. I do. So, right, check out, what's the article called again? Check it out on the site. Yeah. It's uh, the, the title Touch- is touchdown underperformance teams to watch in 2021. So check it out. It is very useful. It's got two. I learned two nice graphs in it. I thought it only had one graph because I hadn't <laughs> read it yet. Uh, it's two, a lot and a lot of really good information and really at least twice as many teams as we just discussed on the podcast. So very much worth checking out. So check out Denny's article on the site. Uh, look for us later in the week for another podcast with Mr. Matt Strout and John Daigle. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, just show after show after show hitting our stride for the draft. Uh, That is all for this week. I am Patrick Doherty. This is Danny Carter. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.